Be merciful, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, this morning we will continue in the, uh, this wonderful book of, of Romans. This book, of course, applies to every one of our lives. Uh, it's, it's touching me as I'm going through it, and God's revealing things about my own life uh, as, as I wade through this and, and, uh, and speaking to me. And I hope that He's doing the same to you and that you will be reading through this on your own. Uh, and uh, the principles that are here for living the Christian life. And uh, this, is, this is for us. And uh, this day and time, uh, there has been a lot written about living for the Lord. The Christian life. Uh, uh, all sorts of ten, ten ways to serve God. Or ten ways to live for Christ. Or... Ten easy steps for this, or what have you. Uh, on and on it goes. But let us, let us not forget a verse that says, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and de- deceitful scheming. Because there are a lot of teachings out there that aren't right. Okay? Just to be honest, uh, not everything you read in print you just swallow and say, oh, wow, this is great. No, you have to, uh, you have to realize what, uh, what Paul said. Uh, we're not to be tossed here and there by ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine. And so we're to, we're to study, we're to examine, uh, we're to let the Holy Spirit be our guide, to be our teacher, and to be sensitive to Him in our lives. Uh, this is so, so important. Uh, in, in living for the Lord. But God wants us to have a victorious and conquering life, uh, a triumphant life. There's no doubt about that because he tells us all through his uh, uh, word to work it out, to, to uh, uh, fight the good fight of faith. And, and uh, so it's not a passive thing. It's a very active thing on our, on our behalf. We're responsible. We are responsible for living the Christian life. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, yes. But nonetheless, we can't just sit back and say, well, it's the Spirit's fault because He's just not working in me or, you know, I'm just an old poor sinner. And No. No, we're to fight the good fight of faith and uh, put off, put on. So Paul has all of these things in his word uh, for our benefit. We see in Romans 8, Paul gives, and I'm not going back any farther than that because we spend all our time in review, but Paul gives us in Romans 8, Reasons to know that we, we will be saved eternally. We will be saved eternally. Philippians 1.6 says, For I am confident, Paul says, of this very thing, that He, God, who began a good work in you, will perfect it unto the day of Christ. He will bring it. If He, if he begins the work in you, He will bring it uh, to uh, completion. We will be eternally saved. And there are reasons given here in Romans 8 for that. And uh, we saw uh, last week the first reason uh, that he will be uh, safe and eternally secure to the end was 
we've been made free from the law. That was in verses 1 through 4. We've been set free from the law. And this, I pointed out, was in the aorist tense, which means at a point in time, we were freed from the law. Now, it doesn't mean we're freed from uh, uh, stealing, so we can go out and steal, no. But we're freed from the condemnation of the law. We've been freed from that. There is therefore, he says, to begin with, now, right now, this very instant, no condemnation Amen. to those. And I could just preach that whole sermon again. It's so exciting. <laughs> but uh, we'll move on here. Uh, there, that, uh, there was a point in time that we have been free. Romans 8 starts with no condemnation, and it ends with no separation. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Amen. <laughs> he, he who begins it will bring it to completion. No separation. I think that was in 30, whatever that is, 39, I think. But anyway, uh, all of our past sins, all of our past sins are covered. All of our present sins are all forgiven. They're all covered. All of our future sins are all forgiven. They're all covered. And uh, thank God for that. We saw in Romans uh, 5.1, we've been justified uh, by God, and therefore now we have peace with God. There's no more war. There's no more war. We've been justified, we've been declared righteous, and now the war is over. There's no condemnation, he says. And that's what that is, no condemnation. Uh, And God, we saw in in verse 3 of uh, Romans 8 there, that God takes the initiative. God took the initiative, and that what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, because we have sinful flesh, God did, Sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. And, and praise God for that. He sent his son. And uh, the law demanded perfect, perfect uh, obedience to it. And uh, Christ uh, met every one of the law's demands for us. He kept the law perfectly which we could not do because of our sinful flesh. But he, of course, was sinless, and he condemned sin in the flesh because he did what Adam could not do. Adam was perfect, and yet he failed. Now Christ, the second Adam, comes along in the flesh, and he obeys it perfectly. And now, by faith, by trusting him, we now have his perfect record. Now, if that's not good news, I don't know what is. That is good news. And it's by faith. It's by faith. It's not anything that we can do or earn. Uh, No, Christ met the demands of the law for us. This is what Paul is talking about here. He bore the punishment. He was buried. He rose again. And uh, the condemnation, the wrath of God, fell on him. And uh, wow. That is, that is just a, a marvelous teaching. And we saw that last week. This week we were going to see uh, the second reason uh, uh, to know that we are saved eternally. And that is because of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in us. And uh, God who begins a good work will bring it to completion. 
And that is through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. That is Christ in us. That's why it is secure. Christ in us, the hope of glory, Paul says. It's the hope of glory. Christ in us, not me, because I fail him, I sin against him uh, and, uh, every day of my life. And, but it's Christ. It's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in us. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Through Christ, we're more than conquerors. We're victorious. We're triumphant in Christ. And uh, that's, that's good news. And so the Holy Spirit comes into a person. He moves that person by his power to do the will of God, to obey him, uh, to please him. And uh, uh, that, of course, is, is uh, verse 4. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We walk now in the power of the Spirit. That's who we are. That is our identity. That is our identity. And now, through His power, we can live, we can live uh, that victorious life. And so, I want to talk about that. First of all, let's read verses 5 through 13. And again, when we, you read this, sometimes you scratch your head and say, what in the world is Paul saying? And so again, this, this is uh, uh, one of those passages. For those who are according to the flesh or live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now I want you to, as I read this, there are two types of, there are two groups of people. There are those who are lost and there are those who are saved. There are those who live according to the flesh and there are those who live according to the Spirit. I believe Paul is still talking about these two groups of people. And uh, 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 so he says, uh, so if for those who are, uh, are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostility or enmity toward God. Very strong word. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot, notice, cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh. In other words, you believers that I'm writing to you, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, you are. Uh, uh, so then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. May God add His blessing upon this portion. Uh, of his word and then verse 14 for all who are being led by the spirit of God these are the sons of God 
What people are the sons of God? Those who are led by the Spirit. Very plain here. Very plain. Those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit. And uh, so let's just talk about that this morning. Uh, and again, this will probably go against some modern-day teaching of the day. And, uh, and we see in verses 1 through 9, there is a, a division stated. But I don't think this division is between the carnal and spiritual Christian, as some would hold. I think this is a division between those who walk after the flesh, the unregenerate, the lost people, and those who walk after the Spirit the Christians, and I don't, I don't see in the world, in the scriptures, there are three, there are three types of people, that there is uh, uh, the lost person in Adam, and then uh, those that are in Christ, but in the middle somewhere is a person who makes a profession of faith, but he lives a carnal life, that he lives according to the flesh. I don't find that, and yet it's taught. And I think it's done great damage to the church of God. Because I think a lot of people are walking around thinking that they are real believers and they're living in sin, but they say, I'm just a carnal Christian. I can't help it. I'm just weak and frail. And I'm sorry, that's just who I am. I don't think Paul is saying that here. I think you're either in the Spirit or you're in the flesh. Now, do we walk in the Spirit perfectly? No. We, as a Christian, no, we don't. I sin against God every day, but what do I set my mind on? What do, as he says three times, set your mind on, set your mind, according to the Spirit, according to the flesh, you see. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're led by the Spirit. So let's look at that this morning. I don't want to rush over this. Uh, I, I had uh, <laughs> the idea of going much further, but the more I got into this, I realized that would just be futile. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, how many, pe- how many classes of people? I believe there are two here. Uh, there are two classes of people, not three. And uh, being uh, the first class, of course, the unsaved, who lives like the devil, rejects Christ, holy, uh, uh, unholy, ungodly person, where self is on the throne. Now that is uh, the unsaved man. And then, of course, the saved person who is trusting Christ, basically is walking with Christ, and like I said, he struggles and wrestles with sin. And uh, then, but there are those who would teach, no, there is a third person who acts like an unsaved person, self is on the throne, but uh, in the past 20, 30 years ago, he made a profession of faith, and uh, he, he is a real believer. He just calls himself the carnal Christian. And uh, uh, yes, there, there are things in our life, in 1 Corinthians 3, I won't take time to go through that, but I think Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, is talking about a specific area in the life of these Corinthians, and several of them uh, causing divisions and all. And he says, in that area, you're acting like a lost person. You're acting carnal. But Paul is not saying your whole life is carnal. Why? Because he st- states 
in, in chapters 1 and 2 the way that they're acting in a spiritual way. The good things that they're doing and he praises them and so forth. But anyway, read that for yourself and just, uh, I, I won't take time here, but uh, uh, maybe later I'll do that. But uh, we all wrestle and struggle with carnality. So I, I want to make that very, very clear. Uh, we all do. But just to, to, to say, well, I'm just weak, I'm just carnal, and I'm sorry, uh, I'll just die and not get much rewards, uh, I don't think that person's in Scripture. I frankly don't. I don't see that. Because we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit, which is dunamis, dynamite. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, you're going to be led by the Spirit. You're going to, as, as Paul uh, uh, said, uh, uh, there will be a change. Remember Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived. We went through that in Galatians. I put, didn't put this one. It just come to be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. He that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit will reap everlasting life. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. Go back and read Galatians. You know, Paul, Paul is not... He, he's saying this is serious business. And to... to for us to tell people that, uh, yeah, you, you say you've trusted Christ, fine. Uh, if you want to live like the devil, that's up to you. I don't find that in Scripture at all. And I think we're deceiving people. They've been, there's a false hope that we give them. Not that we're saved by works. Not that you have to, you know, live a perfect life to be saved or that works save you in any way. I'm not saying that. But... Uh, uh, your life, your life will be different because you have believed. And so we see these, these two categories, I believe, set forth. We see it in, in, in verse 5. Notice Romans 8, 5, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And in verse 6, he, uh, he talks about the mind set on the flesh is death. And then in, in uh, verse 7, the mind set on the flesh is hostile or at enmity with God. And then uh, uh, in verse 8, those who are in, in the flesh cannot, cannot please God. And uh, in verse 9 as well. And so anyway, that, uh, that's something for you to think about and, and, and ask God, the Spirit of God, to teach you. It may be that you need to change your mind. I had to because I was not taught in, in uh, Bible college this truth. It was, I was taught that there was a carnal person, that people can, can walk an aisle and make a profession and, and, and be saved and yet live an ungodly life. That's what I was taught. But uh, I, had to, I had to say, wow, I don't think I was right concerning that. The, uh, uh, the second category, those who are according to the Spirit, uh, those who have been born again, those who have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and that sort of thing. What is the flesh? Of course, again, it's your old nature. It's the uh, sinful desire. It's the sinful desire that dominated us before salvation. That's what it is. And uh, it's, it's, it can be uh, uh, a real struggle in our lives against that old nature that we still have. But the thing is, 
it does not dominate us now. You see what I'm saying? It does not dominate you. Why? Because you have the Spirit. And you're led by the Spirit. Struggle? Yes. Struggle? Yes. Uh, but, you know, you know, I've heard people t tell me about somebody they knew in the church, and they'd say, you know, that person is so mean and angry and bitter. They're worse than an infidel. You know what? They probably are an infidel. Being in the church doesn't save anybody. It really doesn't. It's a heart change. And we're going to see that it's a heart change. God looks at our heart. And uh, have we been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit? This is what he's saying. And we need to, we need to examine ourselves. We need to, to look deeper into uh, our own hearts. And um, does the flesh, is the flesh dominating us? Um, so how can you say that? How can you say that in verse 9? However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not uh, belong to him. So who has the spirit of God? Every Christian has the spirit of God. Every Christian. And uh, he, does not, he does not distinguish here at all. Um, and uh, is, that, is that spirit living and active in our lives? Uh, we also see these type of people think different ways. These two types of people. The law set their minds on the things of the flesh. Verse 5. Mind. Set their minds. That is their affections. Their reasoning. Their will. Their attention. Their, their desires. Their pursuits are included in this. Uh, they think about fleshly things. Fleshly things is what they think about. And uh, uh, in a, back to... Uh, uh, Galatians, again, we went through the book of Galatians, but see how many type people you see here. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, strife, outburst of anger, disputes, and so forth. Uh, and he says, I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who, what, practice, see, practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and all. Against such things there is no law. Now these, who, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh. It's dead with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Walk the path. Walk the path. Walk the path. Exactly right. Walk. You see, you're going to have, your walk is going to change. You're no longer going to walk according to the flesh and all of its evil desires, but now you're going to walk according to the Spirit. And you're going to be led by the Spirit. And uh, not perfectly. We all fall and fail. But uh, where, is, where is your mind set on this morning? Where is your mind set on this morning? Is it set on self? There's a wonderful uh, uh, passage in uh, Proverbs 23. Uh, it talks about, do not eat the bread of selfish man or desire his delicacies. For he thinks within himself, uh, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. 
He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. The selfish man, that's one who's living according to the flesh. That's all he thinks about is self. And Luke, I love this. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And, he, and then he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself. Here's his problem right here. Reasoning to himself. Saying, what shall... Notice the pronouns, what I do, since I have no place to bestow my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and I will store all my and my goods, and I, oh, you just get tired of saying it, don't you? You see, it's all about self, himself. And I will store my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you what? Fool. This is very night. Your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure. What? For himself. And is not rich towards God. Boy, it's something to think about, isn't it? Not... Those who live according to the flesh, you know, they, they love the world. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, what? The love of the Father is not, is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and all its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. And I think he is describing here a lost man. Walk means the bent of their life. And that's what they do. They walk according to the flesh. What about the Christian in verse 5? Basically, I think Christians think on the things that the Holy Spirit advocates. What he would have them think on. What he would want them to agree with. Basically, their life is centered on God. And when the Holy Spirit comes into a life, I believe people set their affections on things above, not on the things on the earth. I think that's just going to be the result. Not perfectly. And as we grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord, it, we, it, we get better at it. We grow as, 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 we, as we realize and see our sin more and more. We become conformed more and more to the image of Christ. And so this is a growing, uh, but basically their life is centered on God. And uh, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Philippians 4.8, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise... Think on those things. And I think a person who is born again does that. Not perfectly. Uh, he struggles with keeping his mind set on the Lord, but he does that. Where is your mind, where are your affections set on today? Let me just throw that out there. What do you think about? What is it that just takes most of your time? 
what is it that you set your affections on? Are you like the rich man? You just get more and more and more so you can have more and more and more and so you can die and leave it to somebody else and have nothing? I mean, just think about that. That's something for all of us. What do we set our affections on? Do we set our affections on things above or on things on the earth? Because everything on the earth is fading away. This is what I think Paul is driving at here. and It's very important. Uh, self only. Self only. To please self. What does thinking lead to? It leads to conduct. Notice the two types of conduct. The first one was uh, walking after the flesh. Walking at un- unsaved people think those things and do those things. They walk after the flesh. Those who walk after the Spirit think those things and do those things according to the Spirit. Now, we're not there yet, but turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. He says, you know, we we read about the rich man that only thought about himself. Uh, he has not the Holy Spirit. He, he gets all this stuff and he accumulates it and uh, isn't generous in giving to God or anyone else. It's just all about self and tearing down his barns and building greater so he can have more stuff for himself so that he can take up his ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Is that what life is all about? I think not. What does Paul say it is? In verse 10 of Romans chapter 12, he says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Boy, does that sound like self to you? How do you do that, by the way? By the Spirit of God in you. By being led by the Spirit. Because when the Spirit of God comes into your life and He changes your life, you go, whoa, the gospel is so wonderful. Lord, you have saved me a miserable sinner when I deserve your wrath. Lord, you saved a wretch like me. Whoa, I can love this person over here. Because you really believe, and it's, it's all about faith, you really believe that God has done that for you. And so what is the result of that going to be? You're going to care about other people. You see, it's by faith. We live by faith because we really believe that we've been saved. And he, so he says, give preference to one another. Not self-centered, but other-centered. Notice in 14, uh, uh, verse 19, uh, he says, So then we pursue the things which make for peace in the building up of one another. See, not self, but one another. Romans 15, 7, he says, Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. See, just as Christ accepted us, how did he accept us in all of our sin and all of our wickedness? And we're to love other people the same way. How do you do that? By believing in the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching you that and showing you that, revealing that to you, and you go, wow, that person I didn't used to like, I like now. Why did that happen? Because you really believe that God loves you, a miserable sinner. It's by faith. And he gets the glory because 
You didn't change yourself. You didn't say, I know I hate this person, but I've got to love this person. I can't stand this person, but I'm going to, oh, I, I hate to love this person. Okay, I love this person. No. See, that's not Christianity. That's the Pharisees. They did it to be seen of men. But what Jesus is saying here, no, when the Holy Spirit, and Paul is saying, when the Holy Spirit comes in, you go, wow, I, I like this person. I love this person I used to couldn't stand. He changes, your, he changes your whole outlook on life. Not perfectly, but he's, he's, he's working in us, both to willing to do of his good pleasure. Praise God. Amen. Walk the path. Exactly what he's saying. Walk the, be carnally minded is death, he says in verse 6. To be carnally minded is death. That means separation from God. This is not talking about somebody who has made a profession of faith and has a carnal life and uh, one day because of that carnal life he's going to die. No, that's not what he's saying. To be carnally minded, to have your mind set on the things of this world, to live for the world, is death. It's separation from God, he's saying. I really believe that's what he's saying here. And that's not... We don't need to be telling, the, telling people you can have assurance in your sin. Jesus came to save us from our sins, not in our sins. The gospel, the gospel is powerful. The gospel is powerful to change us, to have us love people that are unlovely because we believe it. See, I, I believe this. I don't know if you've gotten that yet, but I really believe this. <laughs> And it wasn't me, it was God working in me that caused me to believe this. And he gets all the praise. And so, to, you know, the old saying goes, you know, if you look like a duck, and you walk like a duck, and you quack like a duck, you must be what? And if you, if you act like a sinner, if you live like a sinner, you're a sinner. And you're lost. You're a duck. And this is what Paul is Pounding over and over. He's just coming at it from every different direction. And we just can say, okay, he said it so many times, he must be talking about something else. <laughs> He's not. He just keeps pounding this home and, and uh, he wants us to hear this. And so what is the result then of, of, of being spiritually minded from verse 6? Life and peace. Life and peace, he says. That's what life in the Spirit is like. Wow. It says in verse 7, to, be, to have your mind set on the flesh is enmity or hostile to God. It's against God. It hates God. It's in rebellion against God. It hates everything that God stands for. His holiness, His sovereignty, His justice, His mercy. Every one of His attributes. Those that live in the flesh and walk by the flesh cannot stand God for who He is. And they rebel against Him. They don't like a God. They don't like a God that is a wrathful God that will punish sin. They say, no, give me a God of love that's going to eventually just save everybody and everybody's going to heaven. There will be annihilation and there is no eternal hell. And, uh, uh, you know, everybody's going to live out for so long and then everybody will... You know, we'll just suffer a little bit and then go to heaven. No. That is not what the scripture teaches. 
But the wrath of God abides on those that reject Christ. And it's eternally, it's an eternal, eternal punishment. Somebody asked me, uh, when I was examining the floor of Presbytery, they said, Sid, do you believe uh, that hell is eternal? And I said, well, let me put it this way. If hell isn't eternal, neither is heaven. Because the Bible speaks more of an eternal hell than it does of an eternal life. And that's, that's really what it amounts to. You say, no, it's eternal. God makes the rules. This is His Word. Are we listening to His Word? Are we really listening to it? Are we saying, come Holy Spirit, open my understanding. Open my mind to what you're saying here. Because we need to hear this. This is not just uh, pretend here. And it says here that the, uh, those in the flesh are not subject to the law of God in verse 7. They're not even able, it says, to do so there in verse 7. They're not even able, they don't, even, they don't have the power, they can't see. There's total inability here. They don't have the Holy Spirit to empower them. They don't have the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in what? Power. What came in power? Gospel. In power. And in the Holy Spirit. And with full what? That doesn't sound like an easy believism kind of thing to me. No, it's powerful. Amen. It's powerful. It's, it's, it, uh, it takes the blinders off. Remember, remember, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Those that are walking in the flesh, they're blind to their need. They, they, they cannot understand the simple gospel. It's like asking a totally deaf person to, to judge a music contest. You know, it just doesn't work. They have no ears to hear. Remember Acts 16, 14, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord, what? Opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. You know, that's what we need to do. You need to pray that. Lord, open my heart, and I need to pray the same. Lord, open my heart to what you're saying to me from this passage of Scripture. Open my heart so that I can understand it, so I can repent. That's what we need. Also in Luke 24, 44, and 45, now he said to them, his disciples, my words which I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he what? To understand the Scriptures. See, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to understand the Scriptures. Very clear from his word. You see, and then the Lord even makes it, and I'm about to finish up, the Lord makes it even stronger about those that uh, walk according to the flesh. He says, those in the flesh cannot, verse 8, cannot please God. They cannot please God. Look what Proverbs 15, 8 says. The sacrifice of the wicked is what? 
to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is delight. You know, all those people who are lost, who are giving sacrifices, giving money, doing all kinds of stuff for God, what is it? That's what he says. It's an abomination. Why? Because they cannot please God within themselves. They're doing it for themselves. He's doing it for his own glory. Whenever then you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all to the what? Glory of God. That's what a Christian does. That's one who is walking by the Spirit. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work, for whose pleasure? His pleasure. It's not about me. See, it's not about me. It's about Him. Let me ask you, as we close, who is directing your life? Who is leading your life this morning? Where do you have your mind set on? What and who do you have your mind set on? That's so important. Because do not be deceived. God is not mocked. If you're living for self, if you have not given your life to Christ, trusting Him fully for your salvation, if you have never been born again, you're an abomination to God. All your works is filthy rags to Him because He is not pleased with you. Why? Because you have not come through Jesus, the only Savior. Wow. What a wonderful Savior we have in Jesus that, that He would come and die for us and, and, uh, and now lives within us, empowers us by His Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning that, Lord, you're a gracious God who has given us clearly from your word what we need to hear. Lord, uh, I confess that there, there is so much here and trying to cover it all is, is an impossibility. But, Lord, I thank you that we have the teacher, the Holy Spirit, who moves in uh, the hearts of your children, and that you show each one of us where we need to repent. You show each one of us where we need to change, what, Lord, we need to do. Lord, we all need to trust you more. We all need to trust Jesus more. We all need to fix our eyes on him more and look to him, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, give us grace. Give us grace to live the Christian life, to be victorious in our Christian life, not doing it in the flesh but in the spirit, being led and guided and directed by you as you move in our hearts. Help us to give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.